This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I am your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. Welcome. So this week, we actually have a real fun show. I mean, it was fun for me to record. It was fun to even arrange it, (laughs) which is like great, right? So I am talking to Crystal Turner Moffat, the safety diva today. You guys are going to have a good time learning a little bit about her, learning about her experience, even talk about the neuroscience part of her career. Did you know about that one, huh? Neuroscience? Yes, she was a researcher. And I didn't know, but she went to Hunter College as well in New York. And that is truly where my brother went to school. And uh, he was on the Hunter College track team, which I forgot to tell her during the interview. (laughs) And it just was funny. That's in uh, New York. So anyway, we really just started talking about everything, a little bit about um, diversity. We talked about uh, ASSP and BIES, which we are both members of. Um, She is the senior member to me (laughs) by many, many years. Uh, So... Uh, we, we covered just really about everything, just talking a little bit about her tips if you're starting a safety consulting business, because she's been in the business as a consultant for so long, uh, things to even with CEUs and as a consultant, you know, staying in your lane <laughs> is how I'm going to interpret that. But truly, even if, you know, don't go for the money, go for something that you're passionate about great solid experience advice talked about taking on a business partner and their yin and yang together which is great so strap in you guys are gonna have a good time listening to the safety diva and afterwards we'll chat see ya I'm the safety diva and I have been in consulting and safety for over 25 years. I have my own firm, CDT EHS Consulting LLC. And uh, we started in 2007. So I've owned my own firm for 15 years. We're an MWBE firm. And uh, professionally, I've just been I've just been in safety and construction, and I'm just that boss lady on construction sites. I just make sure the workers go home safely each and every day. And I've been, I, I've been on major projects: the Freedom Tower at World Trade, the Dogs Neck Bridge. Um, wow. I've worked on a lot of uh, Department of Environmental Protection um, projects, and um, a lot of agencies, you know, like Port Authority with with uh oh yeah with New York the Freedom Tower right yeah 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 I'm a, and uh, uh I'm currently a PhD student as well at Capital Technology University what's gonna be your uh, your your actual uh, PhD your doctorate when you get out occupational safety and health 
Man, that's so amazing to me. When I got started, um, truly, you know, it didn't have that. Um, uh, 94 was when I got into safety. There wasn't anything there for this. And now a doctorate in safety is awesome. Congratulations for, for even you. going through it and, you know, the perseverance it takes. Yes, but it's been it's been my lifelong dream. I mean, originally I was pre-med in college and I started out wanting to be an MD. But after just going through experiences in life and not getting into medical school at first as well. I didn't have a plan B. And yeah. then I just started uh, doing research. I was a researcher. People don't know that about me. I was a neuroscience researcher for 12 years before I even got into safety. So I really got into the laboratory aspect of it and pharmaceutical safety at first. Yeah, but you were doing it at a real high level, though. You weren't just doing it. You were actually, you know, working with universities. And so it's, you know, you're like making like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this little thing. You're actually at a high level doing this thing. Yeah, I'm, I, I have clients um, that are major construction companies as well as small um, GCs, small general contractors that I help them with their safety. Um, you know, I write health and safety plans. I'm actually writing a book called The Safety Diva's Guide to EHNS as well as my, oh, nice. my vision my vision for what the field um, is, is, is going to have in the future and, and you know, just some some aspect of mentorship, some other subjects, but it's going to be ten chapters. So I, I I won't tell you all of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to yeah, first get but, it developed in your mind because ten may all of a sudden you, you find maybe, maybe I could do this in eight or maybe I need fifteen. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you don't know yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm developing a course for UC Davis as well, and and for the continuing education and construction safety. So that's uh, in December. I should be delivering that course online. Nice. And uh, yeah, because they're in California, I'm in Connecticut. So, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I um, I've got two like immediate questions that came up, but I better like like take them one at a time. Um, okay. For when you you transition out of the neuroscience side, and you decided that you know you were going to get out of the lab and and get into construction, and it's it's a completely different atmosphere, you know, uh, mm -hmm. where lab you have absolutes, you have clean rooms, you you deal with so many things you're looking at aliquata sampling and you know just all these detailed stuff but then when you get into construction world it's not as structured so what happened how did, how did you how'd you get to that that's a great question well um the sequence kind of like yeah i, I was in the laboratory doing research i loved it a lot um, I did a lot of animal research and I just decided that that just was not my calling, that I didn't want to work with animals anymore. And um, so I, it transitioned to me doing like the lab safety, like I said, and the pharmaceutical, which is like you said, all GLP and safety glasses and, and straight, uh, very regulated. And um, I, I was went into health and safety in the in the regulatory agencies working for the Department of Health as a restaurant inspector. So that was kind of like assessing restaurants and, and the food safety aspect. I went to the health academy, like they have the police academy. It was very, yeah. very interesting. And that was kind of like my forte into environmental health. And I saw someone reading a book under a tree. It was a toxicology book, Cassivan and Duel. It's like the Bible for toxicology. And uh, I said, where do you go to school? Because I had no idea. Since I didn't get into medical school, what was my plan B? Where I was going to get my master's? I decided not to get a PhD in neuroscience. I was like, where am I going to go to school which I could work? And, and Hunter, 
she told me Hunter and the Hunter was the perfect plan for me to get my master's because it was in the evening and I could still work and do that. And so mm-hmm. at Hunter is where I, I really learned environmental health and safety. And I learned about being a CSP, a CIH and um, graduating because there was a lot of industrial hygiene graduating. Um, most people go into industrial hygiene or safety. And so trying to get employment, they were like, are you an industrial hygienist or are you a, a safety person? So, you know, yeah. I uh, was- You have I to was choose, like, man, Crips of the Bloods. You have to choose, right? <laughs> <laughs> but toxicology, toxicology I, in grad school, my thesis was on neurotoxicology led in led in, in rats since I had that rat background. And I was one of the few people who ever did a laboratory master's in my program. I actually went to Mount Sinai and worked in a neurotoxicology lab with Dr. Claudio's, you know, world-renowned. And that Mount Sinai program in occupational health is like world-renowned. And so I, I did my thesis. So the toxicology, which is the study of environment, how it, you know, it affects toxicity. I found environmental health, environmental things are really what drives that. And that Mm -hmm. environment and the pharmacology and toxicology, the environment part led to industrial hygiene, which is an industry. And then that led to safety. Oh yeah, that's a direct path. It's a direct path. So once you know what the human exposure is, then you can, and you look at the exposure in industry, then you can look at safety. So it's kind of like a direct path. And I just followed the risk and safety because most construction workers, that's the highest risk is in construction. And that's what led me to to construction. I just followed the risk. Follow the risk. That's that's great. So usually people like to to stay away from what we call the risk, the problem cases. You went right to it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've kind of been the cleaner. Usually people I've worked for or clients I've had they call me after the fact when something's up that needs to be fixed, you know, mm-hmm. like the Throgs Neck Bridge, that project, someone had died on that site. An electrician got hit by a boom. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I got something really in my spirit because I think that safety is a calling. And it, it's like I, I, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when danger is present. And it's like a calling. And in, in People come to you on the site because you can be trusted and that, you know, if you develop that rapport, they don't run from you as the safety lady or this, you know, they don't run from you. Yeah. When you develop that, that trust with people that they can come to you. So I, I'm kind of like the cleaner. Nothing's actually ever really bad happened on my watch. Which yeah, I'm yeah. glad to say I knock on wood all the time, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I really kept a really, not a strict site, but just a site where, I made sure people, when it was time, immediately dangerous to life and health, people stopped what they're doing and got the coaching. And I didn't want to be a safety cop on the site. I I believe in being a coach, really. And they got the coaching and, you know, only like one person ever got, had like ice fall off a roof or something, but they had their hard hat on. So I've just been, you know, fortunate in my my time on sites that, that no one's actually gotten hurt. Yeah, well, and and that's all of us every day. You know, we 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 know there's systems. We know that there's things we could do to mitigate risk. We know that there's so much that we could do for behavioral based safety, if you believe that, or the human and organization performance when you're on that camp. But uh, at the end of the day, there is always still an element of luck. We don't like to admit it, yes. but it's there. It is completely there. So I I am like you. I, I don't want to play the luck game as much as I can, but I know it's there. I know it's there. So accidents and incidents, that's what they are. You know, accidents 
you know, you don't, you don't, we don't expect them to happen. It's, it's, a, it's the unexpected element. Yeah. And for... so we do our best for prevention and do our best to educate so that mm-hmm. we can just, like you said, mitigate the risks as best possible. Yeah. And for the, um, for those who, who go through the behavioral based model of meaning, uh, one of the things that behavioralists think of as the, the, research that was 85 to 95% of all incidents are caused by human behavior. And then if you tell Mm -hmm. someone who's in the human organization performance camp that they would just blow up at you and say, no, how do you know at that time that person didn't make that decision because of latent conditions that are ready to just, you know, truly be triggered. So I know there's, there's those two sides, but since you're in like, the scientific side of actually understanding like neurons and how they focus and and how things actually get stimulated. Can you find like a hardwiring in some ways that can be manipulated through behavior-based safety or or human organization performance? Or is it just, uh, just some other way that you have to influence behavior? That's a fascinating question, Sheldon. That might be my thesis in my my dissertation. You just gave me something to think about there. Um, yeah, I mean, I do. I I really believe in the total worker health model. That everything that the person brings to the work site affects their their performance. I really do believe that. I think that you know, um, looking at social things and psychological things that may be going on in their life and financial and their health and all that. I really do believe in that total worker health model. So I think if, you know, when you're a safety professional, you have to take into account all that, that the person may be mm-hmm. going through and experiencing as well as the safety culture of the organization and the, the what what's inherent on site. Like you said, I think we have yeah. to take all that into account. Yeah. And I like that term. I had to write it down just now. Total worker health, worker health, Mm -hmm. because I've heard of psychological safety when it comes to the workplace where uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, I interviewed a friend of mine who is uh, Ari Copeland is his name, but he was born Rachel and he transitioned in the actual working environment as, you know, a young adult, but he was telling me not only did he see the changes from being, um, a young white female to young white male, and then seeing that difference in that dynamics. And then also he was started to see other different types of injustices. And he then was thinking of if for me, I can't come out and say that, you know, I am a trans male and feel comfortable at work, then you're not going to get all of me at the job. There's going to be part of me that's left. So he works, he's an engineer and he works at Black and Veatch. And in the interview, he was talking about how when you could truly be yourself as a total worker in health, the organization then looks more healthy. Is that what you believe as well? Yes. I mean, yes. When you don't have to have imposter syndrome or, you know, any kind of, like they say, facades of, of conformity at all, then you can really be your authentic self. I really do believe that. I mean, I, I've been in situations where um, I couldn't wear my hair a certain way. I wasn't invited to the meeting. If I had, you know, my hair a certain way, I cut my hair and, and that we had a actual discussion and buys come up 
someone asked us, Blacks in Health, Health and Safety at ASSP, about mm-hmm. natural hair in the construction site and how, you know, to protect some workers who might have dreadlocks or might have natural hair. Um, yeah, there they are safety issues, you know, with different cultures and different things. And yeah, but when you can't come to the work site authentically as yourself, then that does psychologically play. I, th- I really do think so on your on yourself, or if you have a financial problem you may be going through, or a health problem you may be going through, or something yeah. that you can't authentically be there as, as, a, as a worker. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we have to get to the core of as safety people, not just look on at on the surface. So that's why, you know, if you go to if you go to NIOSH and look at the total worker health, they've taken the actual um hierarchy hierarchy of controls mm-hmm. and looked at it as um a total worker health model. And transpose that and look Great. at what um, different areas you can, you know, affect in each area mm. of total worker health. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And uh, you mentioned buys for those listening in the audience. Uh, if you're not aware, there's the ASSP, which is now a change from ASSE a few years back, but that is American Society of Safety Professionals, and BIS is a subcommittee or subgroup in there, and it's Blacks in Safety Professionals. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm a member Blacks here, I Blacks in Safety Excellence. <laughs> yeah, it's a common interest group. It's a common yeah. interest group. So uh, I am uh, a junior member to Crystal. She's been in the group for quite a while, and I've only been for a few years myself. But um, truly, I hear this. And a lot of people who are already aware of my show, I, I speak openly about diversity issues. But I do hear this a lot whenever I do uh, interviews with people or just normally talking to people of color where there's a general sense in the market that yes, there has been some progression. You can see more people, more faces that look like you in some of these events and some of these committees. However, I've always seen that when you get into the executive director position in most organizations, you don't see that same type of diversity as it goes up. I know that that's you know reflected in the normal society, but I'm trying to figure out how realistically we could we could deal with there's still diversity issues, but how can we break through those those things? And if anyone could, safety diva, you can. <laughs> Your resume, the things you do, you should be in the C-suite and you you are in in some areas. So tell us the, that experience of breaking through, if you will. Well, it has been an experience. And because of the fact that I was unable to, in some instances early on in my career, 15 years ago, that's what had me start CDT. Um, Because I wasn't getting those positions at the compensation level that I felt I deserved. And as I've gone along and gotten my CSP, I'm at a certain level now, I just, the jobs are out there in safety, but I mean, someone sent me a statistic recently from Bureau of Labor Statistics that out of the 85,000 safety professionals, there's only 1.6% that are black and other, you know, um, people of color. So that that comes up to about like 8,500 professionals in the whole country. So. Wow. That is amazing to me. This that is me. That's me hearing this for the first time. I haven't heard that statistics before, and it's so 
overwhelming that the representation is so underwhelming. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm looking to work with BCSP, for example, in the certification realm to, you know, to be an ambassador. I've applied to their program to be an ambassador to, I speak to schools when I was at ASSP as the president of um, the Hudson River Valley chapter. I would go to White Plains High School. I've worked with um, sororities such as, you know, AKA, going to their job fair, speaking to young people, just to make them aware of safe of the safety field because most people don't even get into it until they've into into other fields they don't even know about it and so if we you know just being ambassadors of you know whether it be to get stem because stem is a real important part of our profession the science you know technology you know and math and Mm -hmm. engineering and safety really safety we're engineers you know, in some aspect. And so if you don't know about the field, it's hard to get into the field. And then to break into that C-suite, it's it's just, like you said, diversity, equity, inclusion is just something in all our fields. But I think I wrote an article for ASSP about mentoring, the power of mentoring. And then I'll take it a step further. We only not only need mentors in our field, we need sponsorship. We need people to sponsor us when we get into these different corporations so that they can speak for us in these C-suites and advocate for us when they're in the boardroom and say, listen, I have this person. This is my protege. This person would be great in this position. But it takes that person to recognize that there's a need, you know, mm-hmm. a need for that. And one thing I found in my research is that for women, a lot of women won't go for jobs unless they feel they're 100% qualified before they actually go for the job. Men are more risk takers. They'll go for a job that they have like maybe not all the qualifications for and they'll get them. So we have, as women as well, have to have to um, have, have that confidence that we can get the job. Because for me, sometimes I thought it was like, why am I not being hired for this? Sometimes it was the salary expectations we didn't meet meeting on the minds. Sometimes I really know that people didn't want me to be their face of safety. And I mean, they didn't want me to be the face of their their director. They didn't want me to be the face. I've interviewed where people brought me in and it's like, oh, your resume, I can't believe everything's on here. How did you get into construction? How did this happen? I can't, just to see if I was who I was on paper. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's. And that's a true point. So the concept of allies has always existed. Allies and everything, not just race, but just truly, even if you're thinking the true terms of allies, such as treaties, right? So in the treaty system, it's a give and take. Sometimes you actually have more advantage than someone you want to ally with, but you can look into the future and you can see that this partnership is still going to benefit me in the long run. I don't mind if I help this person along. So in the terms that we're talking about with uh, promotions and everything else, you know, I had a mentor in the professional field when I used to be a regulator and worked for the state of Florida, I actually had a mentor who was, uh, he hired me uh, from outside the organization as a young man, knowing that he was going to groom me as his replacement. And I did not have the appearance of, you know, an older white male, but he took an interest in me. He saw that, man, this kid's got something. And he truly mentored me into his position, if you will. And 
no one else had that position and it was it was a ushering through so as as you described you know not only is it mentoring but then you're also taking that extra step and uh, for anybody listening to this please that is wonderful if you're in a position you know to help someone come in that may look different or may think things differently you know, yes, your reputation is that your big reputation, right? Is that's still the thing about sponsorship, right? It's yeah. the per- it's the person's reputation, and you know that's why, as a person who's a mentee or to be sponsored, we have to really, you know, realize that that person's taking on, you know, their reputation as well, and just to be our authentic selves and to be in integrity with what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned a couple of things about, um, there's a few things that you mentioned there about, uh, I like the term facade of comfort or conformity. Conformity. Yes. So I want to make sure I nail that one down. And that's a great idea because I believe that transcends not only trying to become a chameleon in whatever world you're in, especially if you're the new hire. That also seems like, you know, when you're in a working situation, you start getting these these social groups and eventually they're going to conform to something you hope is to value low risk. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes mm-hmm. they conform to be risk takers and that's your trouble crew. You get that phone call saying, oh, there's been an accident and all automatically, you know, oh, it's these guys. It's got to be. <laughs> How do you combat that? How do, as a safety, uh, not only are you the safety consultant coming into these areas, but then you also, you know, have your workers too that you deal with. So yes. How do you do? How do you uh, how do you come into a situation like that and effectively change that dynamic that 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 group think has developed hmm so you're 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 saying like the group mentality where yeah especially in construction you know like the iron workers or something like that or you mean like that or the electricians and exactly everybody has their yeah (laughs) their uh reputation for taking risks or you know being like the electricians, people say they're the prima donnas on the site. And like, exactly. you know, they, they yeah. yeah. Um, well, I just, I have this, a system of just, like I said, I'm safety diva. That's an icebreaker. You know, I'm all things like diva on the site. And I just, I just let them know. Cause you know, you hear what I've been doing this 40 years. What do you know about construction? <laughs> I've made it my business to get to know what the trades know. So I can talk to them in their own vernacular, you know, and I can talk to them in their own language. And mm-hmm. once they do that, then the trust is developed. And, you know, I, I, I deal with them in, on, on their level. I meet them where they are. And so once they see that you have credibility, I think that helps. That helps that. So dealing with the, with the group mentality, I just get, try to get everybody to work together like the Den Mother, you know, just try to get everybody to work together. Mm-hmm. And I guess not... You, you have to take each individual and not not judge them just like you wouldn't want them to judge you. Like, even though, like, yes, they said the electricians are this and the iron workers take risks. Even though I have witnessed that, yes, you know, it's a culture yeah. that each group has. Just try to deal with each individual on their own terms. And like yeah. I said, when I, when I get to know them, I might spot that problem that they might be having. 
you know, for the day. They might be having that family thing, going through that divorce, having that financial issue that might be affecting their their performance that day. So, yeah. And that's a great point too, because truly people's performance is at a snapshot. You can't really, you know, one day could be good. The next day they're, they're completely, you know, been caught up with something, you know, they could have had a near miss and then all of a sudden that's all they could focus on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, for the other thing that I wanted to mention that you mentioned earlier is the CEU part. Is that uh, something that you did for uh, what I've mentioned to before for people growing their, their consulting businesses? If you could offer CEUs in any way, then what will happen is people that meet the CEUs, you'll get their cycles. And then that could be a way that you could keep getting business so that you could stop those highs and lows that you get as a consultant, you know? Oh, well, thank you, Sheldon. That's just such a great, <laughs> well, oh, that's such a great, it works. It thank works. you. That's a, that's a good technique there. Well, I actually have the Safety Diva Academy that's under development. It's the steady growing. That's part of CDT, EHS mm-hmm. Consulting. And, you know, we are, partnering with uh, Aya Shep, who does have, who's I said approved to offer some CEUs for some courses and so forth. So that's something that I will definitely take into account. Yeah. And uh, more industries you have, that's just the bigger the buffer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it it does help. And for those that are thinking. What other nuggets you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. While we're at it, right? Yeah. Uh, for those that are starting their business and they want to be consultants so bad, I noticed that you did the women's own and the black owned business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That gives you that leg up to get you into some grants and a few other things. Uh, what other tips would you say as to someone who's starting out that might help them differentiate themselves or be other avenues to get, you know, opportunities? Well, I would definitely say find your niche, you know, like sometimes as consultants, you know, we want to be everything to everybody, but find your strengths, look at the pain points of your customers that you want to have, like what, what, where, what do you have that will provide the solutions for their pain points? You know, I think that's key. So once you develop a real area that you want to focus in, try to, try to really focus on, on something that you can thrive in because trying to be all things to everybody is, you know, it's, it's a lot. I know. Yeah. And I, and I would say also, even though compensation is great, you know, like don't go after the compensation without losing your integrity and authenticity for what you really want to offer for yourself, because you, you might end up working with a client that it wasn't even worth the money to do. So really, you know, um, I would say that's another thing. Um, and uh, just just work on your credibility and and just to be, to be I guess someone who would be sought after. You really have to just work on your credibility and your brand. And I was I would say that to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Just Especially out, if you're just, small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you get and from? I just took on a business partner. I want to say, uh, Carl Hamilton. He's my CEO, and it took a while after me growing, but the business for fifteen years to take on a partner. But um, I was at a place where it was stagnant; it wasn't growing. And to bring someone in with new ideas, you know, 
or to have, even if you have business coaches or you have, you know, someone to come in with new ideas, because sometimes you think that when you partner with people, you're going to partner with people who think like you, if you read if you rejuvenate yourself or recapitulate yourself or you have you, it's going to work, right? But that's just... Not usually. <laughs> you, you'll see somebody thinking like you and then you'll be monolithic. It's like, yeah. but if you have other people that come on and have different ideas, then that can help your business grow because it's it's just more diverse thinking. Team, you know, teams working together. So I was like, boy, if I could just make... People want more of me and if I could just have more people like me, I would... No, but it's really... He's like the yin to my yang. Carl is like the yin to my yang. And uh, we work so well together. We're really looking to, to scale and grow. And he's in Arizona. I'm East Coast. And, you know, just we're meeting in the middle, um, getting more clients um, mm-hmm. to look at their diversity supply chain so that they can bring us on. And also just look at the deliverables that we offer. Because like I said, I, I've had to pivot um, during this COVID period to work actually with movie sets and movie productions. I, I just finished coming in New Orleans working on a movie set. And I pivoted from that because of this construction drying up. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about where you can pivot, what other things you might be able to do. But yeah, it was it was great. I worked on some movie sets, making sure that they had COVID compliance, being a compliance officer, I had to take a course, you know, to do that. So sometimes you might have to have more education in an area. But yeah, you have to have a a, a, a way to pivot and move and when when trends change, yeah, you always have that training aspect that I, I find that, like you said, um, Sheldon, having training available, education, people always want to educate themselves to move into a, to different areas of safety. Yeah. And uh, I remember about a year ago, I talked to uh, Linda Tapp. Uh, yes. And so Linda I love was, Linda. Yeah. Isn't she awesome? Yes. Uh, so she did the show a year, about a year ago. And um, so one of the things she mentioned on the show was as a consultant, what she found was really good was to have some sort of supplemental income that's coming in in between clients. And that's why she does her, her training safety material. Fundamentals. Yes. Safety fundamentals. I'm on safety fundamentals. I'm a member. Right. Yeah. So uh, truly she's, she's uh, been thinking about that, executing it. Is that the same with you? Do you have like another hobby or fun thing that you're doing that that's also supplemental? Well, that's why I'm writing this book, Sheldon, is that's passive income. So I'm, I'm halfway through this book. Passive-ish. So, it's passive-ish. passive-ish. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, um, I mean, I work, I I work with um, some insurance companies doing loss control. That's a fun thing. Going out to different sites. Um, I actually uh, work with Yellowbird. They send yeah. me assignments, and I've oh, had yeah. some, a lot of virtual assignments that I do, and I just created a fun. A fun fall, the fall protection trainer trainer program, and um, that's what I do for fun. I do websites as well for people. Oh yeah, anything, right? I do anything, too sometimes. Yeah, anything. I help people out with websites. I'm actually on the board of the U.S. Coalition of Black Women Businesses, right. and I help them as a board member. That's what I do for fun. <laughs> Yeah, nice. And we, we're trying to grow our membership. We're having a virtual launch coming up soon. So yes, I'm on the board. And like I said, I'm developing this course for you for um, UC Davis. So and, and I'm a student, so I don't have much time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, also, I'm also part of a leadership organization that is training me to be just uh, a leader and I coach 
that organization. And um, yeah, I just uh, just keep myself busy. And I'm a, uh-huh. I'm, I'm a wife. I'm a wife and a mother of a of a 12 year old rescue dog. No, I don't have a 12. I have a 12 year old daughter, but she's a rescue dog named Kissy. Oh. So yeah, my <laughs> awesome. life is full. My life yeah, yeah, is yeah. Full. Oh man, Yellowbird. I um I interviewed Michelle and uh, I just looked it up. She's episode eighty five at uh, at Yellowbird over there. So yeah, I they they do some good work for people who's looking for you know <laughs> plugging in the gap, if you will, yes, between clients. Yes, yes, it's, and being in this virtual world, they really um. I just called her, and Michelle's great. I just called her up and said, hey, you guys haven't called me in a while. I mean, so I mean, I really, I'm just such a person that likes to work. I Mm -hmm. I have an exit strategy for three years for CDT, working with Carl, but I just, um, I like to work. I don't know how much I want to be on a site per se, me every day. Yeah. I have people I put on sites now. So every day me working as a safety professional on a site, that's not where I'm at right now. I'm more actually, I've interviewed for a global position. I just don't, I don't call calls like, when are you going to be like 100% entrepreneur? I'm getting there. I would say I'm 90-10 right now. Yeah. It just takes, truly, it'll be the decision where um, it, it always boils down to this. When you come to the decision that says, uh, I could either advance quicker or make some money quicker if I could meet everyone during the hours that they're working with, uh, so we're all on the same page, then that when that decision becomes where it's a no-brainer, then you transition. Yes. And I'm actually, I had two interviews this month. One was a local and virtual position, and one's global. So the only reason why I'm still thinking about not doing 100% is because the opportunities, and it would be in manufacturing where I think I still need to grow mm-hmm. some some more in my in my knowledge. I wanna I wanna do this because I feel that there's opportunity to travel around the world, see some other safety in other cu- cultures and countries, and make an effective change. So. Excellent. Well, that's tell everybody. I'm, that's the only reason why I'm considering one more, one more position. That's right. The- <laughs> when it's apparent to you, that's when it becomes apparent. So it's, it's, you know, you don't know that time. That's one of those mystery things. You just and that's why I took on a partner. That's why I took on yeah. Paul to be a partner, and I trusted him with the yeah. business because while I'm still sowing my safety oats, as to say, he's there for me running the business and. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, uh, everybody, how to to get you with all your connections. I mean, truly, you've got a bunch. So you know, let us know how to how to get more safety divas. Okay, well, you can reach me um, at safetydiva.org. That's our website. You can reach me on LinkedIn, and uh, just Google safety diva. It comes up with, you know, things that, I, that I've done. Um, you can reach me 914-382-3827. I don't mind you calling me. I'm accessible. And um, Twitter, Instagram, I'm out there. Yeah, they voted me like one of the top 10 people to follow on LinkedIn and Twitter. So I really, you know, like you said, I have a lot of connections, like almost 30,000. Yeah, yeah, you really do. And and congrats on all your, you know, your awards, you know, safety person of the year. You got everything going on. Yeah, 2019 was really a great year for me. And it's been it's been growing ever since. And I'm looking forward to 
great things in the future. I actually have a LinkedIn group also for called Women in EHS and a construction safety group. So anyone's welcome to join. There's uh, people posting there, and it's even though it's women in health and safety, I included men because I think that men and women work well together, and we need men for allies. <laughs> See, allies. Right, right yes. back to the allies. Yes. <laughs> if there's a connection with allies, there's so much. We if we really really think about it, that thread actually goes through all aspects of of growth in life i mean it's just you know once you once we really start thinking about it you know that's 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 all we're doing when we're trying to uh assimilate to to any kind of area or environment we're looking for allies yes that's that's really all it boils down to even on the site right i'm looking for the for the workers to be my ally and i'm their ally to to, so we can get production done the management wants to be an ally right so they want to work well with the employees so you're right we're looking for allies yeah that's commonalities yeah that's the only way to grow you got to find allies so it's, it's all the common line it's amazing when you really start thinking about it it's like most of our relationships we're looking for allies Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you so much for spending That's some time with me there. You're welcome, <laughs> oh there we go golden nut i might have to write that one down golden nugget for the week <laughs> i'm yes! writing all this stuff and yeah, it's gonna come from the safety diva you can see my notes i'm just literally writing all your stuff down you get gems <laughs> well thank you thank you enjoy the rest of your day all right welcome back didn't we have fun hearing from the safety diva and then at the very end we start talking a little bit about my uh my theory about allies so yeah that's uh that's something that's just come up to me you know my theories and allies meaning um that if we're ever looking to advance no matter where we are what our demographics may be the only way to do it is by strategic partnership allies and it seems like that strategic partnership it branches out into every aspect of your life when you're ready to develop and grow so that's one of the things the thought that i thought man that would be wonderful if i just mentioned it a little on the end just a little you know, nugget <laughs> like that i was writing so many things from from my interview there with with the safety diva and i was writing like little notes and her nuggets that she was giving us i was like i'm on it even helped me out with this stuff so i had really really good time thank you crystal for coming on the show you're welcome back Oh, she's doing a whole bunch of stuff, so I've been keeping tabs with her, and hopefully we could partner on something pretty soon. So another thing that I didn't wanna, I did wanna bring up to you. I am doing an event. I'm doing a thing. So this thing that I'm doing, I'll tell you about the thing first, and then I'll tell you how to get involved. So on September 11th this year, I know it's not a whole bunch of time, uh, but I was kind of thinking, how can I do an event that is going to help people this year before the year is out? And I was looking at my calendar and then looking back and forth and saying, all right, what can I do? So my decision was, let me create a a workshop where I'm going to help them out. And with this workshop, it is called Safety Consulting 101 Workshop. 
and I am going to pretty much like cram in some information for them as much as I can to get you started and I'm calling it a workshop because it's not just me presenting. I know people love me presenting which is awesome thank you thank you thank you but it's not going to help you in the long run just hearing things and writing it down we're going to do it. So I've allotted four hours for this on a Saturday because I know you got to be doing this on the QT, you know, really quiet. You, know, you imagine if you're on your actual computer listening to a four hour workshop at work about how you're going to start your own business. Mm, it's not going to go over well. So that's why we're going to do this one on a weekend. So we're going to do this one on Saturday, September 11th from 1 p.m. my time, Eastern Daylight Time, until 5 p.m. We're going to first talk about you, your target market, your vision, what's your plans, what's your goals. That's going to take up the first hour and we're going to do actual workshops. So you're going to be on your computer doing this virtually with me anyway. Might as well have you open up another tab and then we are going to actually do things. If you could come with two screens, that's going to be even better. It'd be more efficient for you. But we're going to find your niche. We're going to even get you down to your name and getting your domain name, uh, getting that stuff secured. Talk about email marketing, making sure you can grow your business. We're going to talk about instructional design, the thing that you could use to make supplemental income. Talk about partnering with big companies. We're going to talk about finding and keeping and growing your client base. And then public speaking, some tips on that as well. We are offering some sponsorship for this. We already got two sponsors. Uh, there's four levels of sponsorships. If you want to sponsor platinum, gold, uh, there's still some in silver and bronze as well. So you could just join the sponsorship page. And if you want to be involved in this, here's the big takeaway. Tickets start at zero dollars that's it zero dollars to free event so you're gonna get four hours of instructional training with me I'm gonna walk you through your business with workshops so tickets are starting for free that's our general tickets and then if you want to actually get the safety consultant blueprint course then you can pay for that at a reduced price and that's going to be 150 so therefore you could get the general mission and the course and then if you want to actually go a little bit further where you can have not only the general admission in the course but then we call it the consulting package where you're going to have the safety consultant TV subscription as well and the lifetime Barry cast pro which I used to actually record my uh, videos and everything so that's gonna be it. for you there is 300 bucks because we also have a diff right now 50 buck difficult but that's if you wanted to go and get some extras you don't have to if you just want to be part of the event it's for free just go to viewstub.com backslash safety consulting 101 viewstub.com backslash safety consulting 101 and be part of the event all right, gang, I'm going to leave. But before I do, I just want to thank everyone for listening to me. If you have not actually subscribed to the show, I do have more listeners than I do have subscribers. 
which is really wild. It's like almost 80%. So one thing that would be wonderful for me is I can't see you listening to the show, but I could actually see subscribership. So that's going to help me like know that there's people out there listening to me and it's not just me and the computer and the, the soundboard. <laughs> so that will be great if you could go ahead and hit subscribe for me so that I can know you're out there. And then also, if you do have a chance to go ahead and, and rate the show, that'll be wonderful. Give us a rating and a nice little review. That means a lot, especially for someone trying to think, should I spend my time listening to this guy or not? And now with that review or with that actual rating, someone will say, oh, hey, Susie from Cincinnati thinks he's cool. All right, let me give it a listen. So that's it. That's the whole thing, gang. So thank you so much for this week. I had a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you, Safety Diva, for hanging out with me this week and talking to everyone in the audience. We had fun. Go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Brennan.